Let's turn to the Word of God in the book of Genesis. Book of Genesis, chapter 11. And we'll read from verse 27. Genesis eleven twenty seven. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Mount Morah. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the east, on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on still, going towards the Negev. And then he goes down to Egypt due to a famine. But when he returns, he plants, he comes back to the Negev, the south, and he puts an altar to the Lord there as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the work that you are doing in South Peru. We pray that you would continue to bless it there. We thank you for the support of many Baptist churches in Ireland for that work. We thank you for the support of this church for many years in the work in South Peru. We pray now as we come to hear your word that you would speak to each one of us, that we would know what you were saying to us this morning and that we might, like Abraham, obey and follow you. But we thank you that Abraham... Uh, was a unique person, and we praise and thank you that your purposes of salvation uh, were centered in him in that generation, and we thank you for the work which you have done through his seed. 
the seed of Abraham, who is Christ, our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. God made this world perfect. And God, on the sixth day, made man and told him to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth. And men disobeyed him. Adam sinned and fell and sin entered into the world to such a point that God destroyed the world in a flood in the days of Noah. And God chose Noah and Noah became a new Adam, a new beginning started with Noah. Noah sacrificed to God when he came out of the ark. God's plan, I was going to say began again, but I don't mean that absolutely. Uh, It began again, but uh, God was not frustrated the first time. But God began again with humanity, with Noah. And they were to be fruitful, and they were to spread out through the earth. But they decided that they wouldn't. They would stay together and make a name for themselves. And so God confused their languages, and they were scattered throughout the world. What would happen after that? Was God finished with the world? No. God had another new beginning. He called Abraham from Ur of the Chaldeans and sent him out. He didn't know where he was going, but God did. And Abram, Abram as he's known here, was another new beginning of God. Perhaps not as dramatic as Noah, definitely not as dramatic as Noah, but nonetheless, this was the beginning of constituting a people of God in the Old Testament that would extend into the New Testament. Abram is to go out, and Abram is promised several things in verses 1 to 3. He is promised blessing above everything else. But Abram's call is unique. Now, I know that God has used this to call many people to missions, to leave their families and go elsewhere. And that's perfectly okay, so long as you understand that you're not Abram. If God is calling you to mission, the Lord bless you, and the Lord take you wherever he's calling you, but you're not Abraham. Abraham was unique in this. God was doing something very special. God was continuing his plan that men would be fruitful and would be a blessing in the earth. There would be a new beginning. There would be a new people coming through Abraham. He left his country. He left his family. And according to the book of Joshua, he left a false religion behind. Joshua says that On the other side of the river, uh, they worshipped many gods. And it was interesting that Terah and family went to Haran. Haran was a center of moon worship. But Abram wasn't called to Haran. He was called to a land he didn't know where. 
and he was sent out not knowing where he was going. But he had to learn in all this to trust the Lord and his promises. The Lord asked a lot of him because people worked together in families then. The family was a support group, as it still is in many senses today, but less so. The family, well, you just don't abandon your family. And yet the Lord said there is something more important than your family, Abraham. I am more important than your family. Doesn't Jesus tell us the same? That we must love him more than father or mother. And that we must follow him wherever he leads. And that we must leave the idolatry that we have naturally in our lives to follow Jesus Christ. He had to leave the past, but he had to trust the promises of God. And God gave him some wonderful promises. God says to him, go from your family, from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. Nation requires people and land, minimum, to have a nation. You must have people and you must have land. But ultimately, Abram had a promise that was greater than that. When we go through Abram's life, and even through Isaac and Jacob's lives, there's always problems just in these areas of having offspring, having a seed, and having a land. They don't have a land. And Abram's wife is barren when she leaves, and many years later she's still barren. Abram goes out and he doesn't know where he's going. It's not Haran. He knows he's to continue beyond there. But he doesn't know where he's going. He just has to continue and trust the promises of God. And it's not until he gets to Canaan that he finds that this is the land that God has promised to him. <coughs> and so God is going to bless him. I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What a tremendous promise to Abraham. He's going to be a great nation. He's going to have or his descendants are going to have land. But what's that got to do with him? I mean, if you were told that your great-grandchildren would have a wonderful inheritance someday, but you're not going to see it yourself, you begin to wonder, wouldn't you? Well, what's this all about? But Abraham had a double promise here. Because we're told in the book of Hebrews that he looked for a heavenly city whose builder and maker is God. He knew that God wasn't going to take him, give him family, let him die, and that was it. He had a future hope as well as a present hope. He had 
his eyes fixed on heaven, Hebrews tells us. He had his eyes fixed on Canaan as well. He goes and puts altars wherever he goes, and he's claiming the land for, for the true God, Jehovah. But he has his eyes further along than that. We're planting churches in South Peru, and we'd like to see them growing and developing and becoming more and more. We're planting churches in Ireland. We're helping plant in France and Spain. But ultimately, within a hundred years, everyone in this room will not be in Ireland. We'll either be in the presence of God or separated from him forever. What is our hope? Our hope is not to have new churches in Peru and Ireland just. Our hope is that we have an eternal inheritance promised by this great God, the God of Abram. He will bless him and he'll make him a nation. Blessing ultimately has to do with relationship with God, doesn't it? It doesn't have to do just with material things. Now, Israel was blessed materially when they obeyed God. But ultimately, blessing is to be in a right relationship with God. And we need to understand that. Well, it's not so, pro- it's not so prominent now that the pandemic has come. But the gospel of health and wealth was a big thing even in Peru. Maybe because of the poverty in Peru, people were being conned into thinking, if you give so much, God will multiply this, etc., etc. And there was all this promise that, that they took promises given to Israel and the land and applied them and said, this is for the church today. If we do prosper, it's God that prospers us. Don't doubt that. But ultimately, the blessing of God is to have a right relationship with him. And Abraham and his true seed would have a right relationship with God. And he would have a great name. Isn't it amazing that in Carrick Fergus in 2022, we know the name of someone who was born 4,000 years ago in Ur of the Chaldeans in modern Iraq? How do we know his name? God made his name great. Look at the people of Babel. They wanted to make a name for themselves. And they're remembered by their scattering. They're not remembered by name. You couldn't tell me anyone who was at Babel. But you can tell me about this man called Abram who goes out from out of the Chaldeans and goes to Canaan because God made his name great. He would be a blessing to others as well. God will bless those who bless him, and God will curse those who curse him. If you use the AV. They have the same enemies and the same friends. This is, in fact, the beginning of the covenant with Abraham that we see more clearly in chapters 15 and 17. God is beginning to establish a relationship with him. And all people on earth will be blessed through the seed of Abram. And that was true. Abram was a blessing to Sodom when he rescued them from the kings of the east. Abram was a blessing to Gerar. Isaac was a blessing to Gerar. Joseph was a blessing to Egypt. These were all fulfilled at a certain level. But ultimately the blessing to Abraham 
comes through his seed, who is ultimately Christ. Christ is the one who brings true spiritual blessings. Christ is the one in whom all God's plans center. Abraham was to have seed, descendants, and of those descendants, according to Galatians, the seed of Abraham, singular, Paul tells us, is Christ. Blessing ultimately comes through Christ. How many people do you know who have lots of material things and don't have Christ? Do they have the blessing of God? Well, they have the material things due to God. They may not recognize it, but they do. It is God who gives material things. But ultimately, without Christ, they have no true blessing. Abram is the seed in his generation, the seed of the woman who would destroy the serpent. It came through Seth, it came through Noah. Now it's coming through Abraham and his descendants. God has a great plan. But the problem for Abraham is that he's no seed. When God appears to him in chapter 15, he tells him so. He says, God, I don't have a son. I don't have seed. Nahor, his brother, has 12 sons. Then Isaac is born, and Abram has seed. But Abram's older son, Ishmael, has 12 sons. And Isaac and Rebekah have no sons initially. And so Abram and his descendants have to depend on the word of God. They literally have nothing else but the word of God. And yet they can leave the past and trust the future to God because God's word is true even when we don't see it. That's the hardest thing in practice, isn't it? When we don't see God moving, we're tempted to say, where is God in all this? Abram goes to Haran. That's not the right place. Abram goes on. The Lord appears to Abram and says, this is the land. And then Abram worships the Lord and puts up an altar. But Abram has no city there. He eventually has to buy a plot of land to bury his, his wife, and that's all he has. Isaac wanders about there. Jacob goes back to Haran to get a wife, comes back. He has 11 sons before he comes back to Canaan. The 12th one is born in Canaan, and they all end up in Egypt. And they all end up in slavery. Where are the promises of God? The answer is, they're in this word. They're there, and Abram has no land. Abram has no seed, and when he gets seed, when he has a son, Isaac has problems having a son. Jacob eventually has sons outside the land. And where are the promises of God? Abram fails in his trust on a couple of occasions. When there's a famine, he goes to Egypt and he lies about his wife saying she's his sister. And again, 
when he goes to Gerar, chapter 20, he lies about his wife. And Jacob does the same thing. Learned from the father how to do it. And Abraham and Jacob, sorry, Isaac, lied in Gerar. They were far from perfect. And what can you say about Jacob? To use another Northern Ireland phrase, Jacob's a chancer, wasn't he? He was a real chancer. He was looking out for himself, whatever happened. And yet these are the people that God has chosen. These are the people who have the promises of God. And these are the people who are going to be the basis for the people of God in the Old Testament. Joseph is sold into Egypt. But he's a blessing to Potiphar. He's a blessing to the jailer. He's a blessing eventually to the whole of Egypt. And at the end of Genesis, there's still only a plot of land for burials in Canaan. The chosen seed do not live in Canaan. At the beginning of Exodus, they are enslaved. And then there's an attempted genocide upon them. And the question must arise, do we trust God? There are many times when we don't see God at work, but it doesn't mean that God isn't at work. God has given his promises, and all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Christ has guaranteed the promises of God. Now, it is not easy to believe when things are going hard. It is not easy to believe when there are all sorts of problems around you and you don't see the promises of God fulfilled. But Abram believed God, and Abram was counted righteous. Abram is described in the book of, in the New Testament, as the father of the faithful. Through Abraham came the Lord Jesus Christ, the ultimate, the only Savior of the world. When God is not seen in your life, it doesn't mean that God is not active. It doesn't mean that God has forgotten his promises or has gone back on his promises. It means that he wants you and I to trust him. It means that he wants you and I to say, I have no physical evidence that any of this is true, but I don't have a hope so either. I have a firm and settled hope that God will not fail. Do we have that hope? As you look to missions in the month of March, are you looking to the God of the impossible. The God who says through Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I received a video uh, from a couple of people through WhatsApp the other day of the pastors in Romania, Baptist pastors, asking for prayer. What are they going through at the minute? Will they have freedom of religion if Putin controls Ukraine? I don't know. I don't know what's happening there. Thank God I'm not there. But for those who are, what do they know? They know 
as we sang earlier, that God will hold them fast. They know that even if they don't see it in their lifetime, they will see a heavenly inheritance. Abram looked for the land of Canaan, but he looked further afield or further above than the land of Canaan. What is our ultimate hope, brethren and sisters? Our ultimate hope is that God is faithful to his promises. He is fulfilling his plan here on the earth from generation to generation. You will not see what happens to your great-grandchildren. But God is not so interested in getting to the end that he leaves us in the middle. God is interested in the end, and God is interested in everyone who trusts in him and will bring them all to a heavenly inheritance. And ultimately, in Revelation, we have a new heaven and a new earth, and God is in the midst of his people, and all the people there are blessed. We will be blessed with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We will meet them in heaven. You will meet not only Elisario Vargas, whom you met a few years ago. You will meet so many Peruvians for whom you've prayed. They will meet you, and together we will rejoice, because God is faithful to his word. Even when we don't see it, even when there are difficulties, even when we don't know what's happening, even when we don't know where we're going, so long as we're following God's word and trusting God's promises. So let me ask you, do you know this God? Do you know the God of Abram who calls you to go out trusting in his word, but who gives you so much of his word that Abram didn't have? who says to you, I sent, I fulfilled my promise to Abraham. I sent his seed. I myself sent my son to be the seed of Abraham, to die in the place of sinners so that those who trust in me, trust in my son, can have a hope that is in this world, yes, but is further along than this world and is in heaven. If you don't come to the end of the world, if you die before Christ returns, you still have a hope in heaven. And we all, when Christ returns, will have a hope in new heavens and a new earth. God always fulfills his word. Are you trusting in him and in that word? Or are you like Abram's ancestors, trusting in some idol somewhere that's a local deity that has no significance for anything? We don't trust in idols now, do we? Oh no, we don't. We're too sophisticated to have physical idols. What we trust in is our pension fund. What we trust in is the stability of the country. What we trust in is so many things that can all disappear. As we saw in Ukraine, within a couple of days, the whole situation is unpredictable. What hope have you in an unpredictable world? What hope have I? Only the God who revealed himself to Abraham. The God who gave promises to Abraham that he fulfilled, not simply in giving the land to Joshua. But Abraham was told, we're told, and the book of Romans was made heir of the world. 
Abram inherited the world. This world belongs to our God. Israel's God doesn't begin in chapter 12 of Genesis. Israel's God begins in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. That's why the prophets can condemn the nations round about. Why are they interfering in these nations? Because these nations are abandoning the only true God there is. But now God has sent his son and Jesus has sent his church to all nations and Jesus rules all nations. You may wonder, well, what does that look like? It looks like what we see now. Jesus is still in control in Ukraine. Jesus is in control of Vladimir Putin. And he will not make one step that God is not allowed. Not one. The Ukrainian pastors in the video that I was sent were praying, asking for prayer for Ukraine, but asking for prayer that God would work. The greatest thing that can happen in Ukraine is that men and women turn to Christ. That they have an eternal hope. And from a few messages I've been getting from some folk, uh, there are people turning to the Lord. Do pray that that continues. That God holds his church fast. That his church give good testimony to him. And that whatever happens, Christ is glorified in men and women coming to know him. Do pray for our pastors in Peru. Maybe you'll say, oh, there's so many pastors that I don't remember them all. Okay, there are prayer cards at the door. You can take one of each pastor if you want. Or you can take just one pastor and say, I'm going to pray for him. On prayer news, every week, half of Baptist missions present uh, prayer requests. And the second week, the other half present. So every two weeks, you'll have something to pray for. Not only for Peru, but Ireland, France, and Spain as well. Do pray for our brethren who are seeking to proclaim Christ and plant churches. Do pray for those whom you're asked to pray for in prayer news. Do continue to look to the God who makes promises and who will fulfill all his promises because they are sealed in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is the fulfillment of God's promises and he is the guarantee that God will never fail. Are we trusting this God today? And if not, why not? He is worth all our trust. Amen.